Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 46. Wow, have I got a great podcast episode for you again today. Welcome back, my friends, to the Healing Catalyst podcast. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Avanti, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. Know that I appreciate every single one of you listening because I know how valuable your time is. I'm so honored that you're spending part of your day with me on this podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, make sure that you join the Healing Catalyst Collective my exclusive and inclusive online community for my podcast listeners, in which you get access to resources that I've curated and created just for you to go along with every episode of the podcast, as well as invitations to private workshops with me, giveaways of my favorite wellness products, and signed copies of my book, The Health Catalyst. You can click the link in the show notes to join. And you definitely want to join because my guest today, Dana Claudette, has collaborated with me to create a guide that you'll definitely want after you hear this episode. So more about my guest today. Dana Claudette has studied art history at Stanford University and became a feng shui master over the course of nearly two decades, working with thousands of people all around the world. She is the founder of the School of Intention Feng Shui Certification Program with an approach to feng shui that is rooted in infinite possibility, creativity, and empowerment. In our conversation, Dana shares her story of graduating from Stanford and then spending the next decade searching for her path in life, working lots and lots of hours in the arts while also working endless hours trying to fix herself, which eventually landed her in the hospital with health challenges that continued for many years after. She recounts how she found feng shui during her rebuilding phase, during her healing, and how it helped her heal, and that she wasn't really sure that it was working because of the placebo effect or because it was really working. We dive deep into how the energy of our homes affects the energy of our bodies and minds. And Dana also shares some simple steps we can all take to cleanse and positively charge the energy of our homes. And remember, there's a guide linked in the show notes with Dana's suggestions to get started with feng shui for your home. I know that you'll learn something transformative in my conversation with Dana Claudette about feng shui and energy as medicine. Dana, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you because, you know, we're talking about energy as medicine this month. And, you know, in Ayurveda, as a lot of my listeners know, I talk a lot about how our space, the spaces that we live, work, and play in have a very, very profound effect on our health. And so I know that this is going to be a fun topic to talk about with you. You know, I was reading a little bit about you and we actually have some really strong similarities. We both 
in undergrad were art history majors. So you were an art history major at Stanford and I was an art history major at the University of Chicago, which I don't find, you know, I don't meet a lot of people who are art history majors. It's not a really popular thing. So I would, you know, love to know why you studied art history and what were you planning on doing with art history? It's so I'm so curious to know. So my plan with all things is that I never have a plan. I just knew <laughs> that there was something indelible from when I was a little kid. I grew up right outside of New York city, but in New Jersey. And back in the day, you could actually get on the bus and you could go to the city and you could be a kid and you could like not be murdered. Like it was like not going to be kidnapped. It was relatively safe as a teenager to do that. And so I would on the weekends, when I learned that I could do this, I would hop on the bus and in 10 minutes, I'd be in New York. And on the weekends, I would take myself to the city. I was in a prep school that I had to travel far to get to and far to get back. I had all kinds of issues that were in unstable around me in my environment. But when I got to the city and walked all the way up to the Met, I would go inside and it was a whole nother universe. And I could get lost in that universe and everything I looked at, I felt. And it was the first time I understood what I came to see was a form of synesthesia where some people feel what they see. Some people see what they taste or hear. People have different ways of processing sensory information. And I felt the art in such a way that it would change me. And I started learning. And just even before I studied art history in high school, the final year of high school, I had this sense that like something was happening here and the history and the way that people revered artists as almost you know, transformational magicians. I was always interested in the subject of alchemy. How could you transform something? I wanted to transform the people around me growing up, my parents, my, uh, the people in my environment, I wanted to help and I didn't know how. And art was a way that I saw alchemy happening. And so after taking all these trips and studying art history, when I finally studied art history in high school, because I was lucky to have a high school to do that, I was like, this is more than just about what paintings look like or what date they were painted. And I'm sure you agree. It's so much about culture and history and the ethos of transformation and how things can tell a story, transform. I mean, it's it, on so many levels, art is transformation. Right. And I've always been interested in both the creative process of the actual making of art and also all of these movements in history. And incidentally, as we're talking about this, I think this is going to be published very near the conjunction that's happening of Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces, which hasn't happened for 150 more years. And it's the conjunction of masterpieces. And so this is a time, every time Jupiter and Neptune come together, it tends to signal a movement in history and a movement in art, specifically in creativity. And having this happen right now, it feels very faded that we're talking about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many similarities, first of all, in our backgrounds and how we look at art. I mean, I studied art history because it was interesting. I thought, oh, there'll be never, there's never going to be a time that I'm going to be able to do this again with the career path that I had set upon of going to medical school. And, um, but the bigger thing was, is that I started to see, um, 
that when you look at a painting, it's very much like looking at the human body or considering what's going on with the overall person, right? You can look at each little piece, right? You can get down to that detail, which is what we learned how to do as art history students. But when you step back and you have to take in the whole composition, right? And it's so informed, I think the way that I looked at the world, you know, up until that point, but also the way that I then would go forward and start thinking about medicine and about the human body, about that it's not about just the single individual pieces or parts or organs or systems, but it's looking at the whole person. And I think that it's probably why I ended up back in Ayurveda, you know, the, the science of healing that I grew up with, because it has this very holistic viewpoint of the human body, of, of the human system, um, which had kind of gotten lost in Western medicine. And, and this was just the way I think more. So it's so interesting, you know, that something that you study that you really don't even know. Well, I mean, for me, I didn't even know why I was studying art history to begin with, but then it turned into this. So it's pretty cool. So I would love to know, how did you go from art history at Stanford and whatever you were planning or not planning to do, and then ending up in this world of becoming a, a feng shui master? Tell me about the in-between of those two pieces. Um, the in-between is a very circuitous, but always, always searching for what that path was. What it was for me was a series of sort of trips through the art world, working in all sorts of aesthetic fields and not finding the place. So there was no place where I think the farthest I excelled at a job per se was running art galleries because it was something, uh, especially where there were really big spaces and really amazing exhibitions. It felt like being part of a larger community. There was something where I could bring something to it, but I couldn't find a space that existed where all the things inside of me could be. And all the things I was interested in from when I was a kid, my dad was playing me, you know, creative visualization tapes and all sorts of things. And I knew, and I used all of these modalities of energy and art and crystal therapy and all sorts of things were coming into my life in strange ways. I lived in Secaucus, New Jersey. These things didn't exist there, but they would, they found my, their way to me for a reason. And so I always had that with me. And I was like, this isn't me. Like I, yeah, I could, I could force myself to stay on this path, but it's not me. And I always tell my clients, my students, everyone, even in articles, there's something really important about really feeling where you are, like feeling you're in the right place, because that's where all that genius can come to life. And I had to create it. And so I wound up working in the art world, burning myself out, not from funnily enough, not from partying or being glamorous, but from wellness and self-help. Like I literally destroyed myself doing cleanses and detoxes and pushing myself into these extremes of all sorts of practices I was studying and doing. I wanted to fix myself because I felt like, you know, to get to a certain point where I thought, you know, you go to Stanford, you come out, you find your way, everything opens up. And I was like, this world is not designed for me. So I must be broken. And I was like, I have to fix myself. I would, if you had an answer and I met you, I would give you all my money and say, tell me all, you know, tell me how to live. And I would follow whatever you said. And I just did that repeatedly. 
to the point where I was so disconnected from myself. I was so lost and I wound up getting really, really sick. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because, uh, you know, as harrowing as it was and how financially devastating it was and everything else, I was finally at home and I didn't have anything to strive for. I had to survive. And that's very humbling when you have the only thing that you can focus on is survival. I didn't have an income. I didn't know what was going to happen to me, but I was like this faith in myself woke up finally. And I was like, I'm going to actually step-by-step learn how to live like me. And I actually considered at that point going and getting a PhD and going back to academics and study and being an art history professor. But at the same time, step-by-step day-by-day, I learned to get better. And as I was learning to get better, I looked around and I was like, my house, I don't have art. I don't have, I don't have art. I don't have anything. I don't have things unpacked. I've been living like I'm running in a race somewhere. I was like, what is going on? So I looked up feng shui and I found a program and I was like, you know what? This is Western. I can deal with this. This is practical. And if I can learn it for myself, then I can just do it for myself. I don't want to have anyone else tell me what to do. That was so important to me because I'd given my power away so many times. I just wanted to be able to do it for myself. So I thought when I went back to work, I'd be able to use it with my clients in art galleries, whatever. And what I learned was spectacular. What I learned was that there was a space because all these principles really harmonized with art history, with the history of culture, with creativity. These principles harmonize with manifesting, with healing, with uh, everything, like everything in the world harmonizes with these core ancient principles in Ayurveda, in Feng Shui, all the core principles, not with all the things that get added and, you know, people's dogma in certain ways that they, but the core principles are so resonant with life. And so I was like, I want to experiment with this. And I found a, it was like a container that I gained and I started applying it to myself in my own way. And I was like, my life has turned around. Like I went from totally crazily in debt to totally not in debt and like really at like, like prosperous and things were happening. And I felt like myself and I still didn't have a business, but I had a job again. I had life happening. I had all sorts of things coming in and it started to click. I was like, oh, what if I experiment? What if I experiment with stripping things down to what is basic? What is the core principles? And bring my knowledge and talent of things like creativity and all of these things to the fore. And that's what happened. I started a Tumblr blog in 2007 and it became wildly popular again on accident. I didn't know what was going to happen. It was all a space to experiment, to share with people. And I started taking all these clients off of Tumblr for free because I was like, I don't need to get paid right now. I need to just see if it works. And so I just kept doing it. And it led me to here. That was the the wild, unpredictable journey to here. Wow. Okay. So, so many questions for you. I want to go back to what you said about, um, you know, graduating from Stanford, trying to find your place in the art world and trying to fix yourself, right? And looking to all these other people outside of you. 
I think it's really important to talk about this because this is so much the core of, of my work also is sort of this idea that we all look for the answers outside of ourselves when so many of the answers are within. And it's so interesting to me that looking to other people actually in your case made you sicker. And then when you finally started listening to yourself, you didn't know why feng shui was interesting to you, but you're like, let me follow my intuition. And here you are on this beautiful path. And you tell us this whole story of how this has become your life's work. I think that's really, really wonderful to hear. And just so inspiring for so many people who are listening to this podcast, because I think, you know, sometimes I can say this to everybody and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but then to hear another example is so powerful and, and helpful, I think. So thank you for sharing that, you know, that that's really inspiring. You know, you said something really interesting is that you started to sort of strip away to the core principles that you were learning. And I, I really resonate with that because that's actually what I did with Ayurveda too. I really tried to figure out, you know, what is the magic in this healing system that is actually very simple, but we make so complicated. So tell me about those core principles that you're talking about. So I think, and I think it's very similar between Ayurveda and Feng Shui. Uh, there's so much that we hear. And just to give you an example of things that have been added, like for instance, people here, they have to hang strings with a certain length, with a crystal on it and certain statues face in certain directions. All of those were sort of iterations and developments on top. So there's so much confusion about what is quote unquote good feng shui. And at the core of everything, I started with this idea that it couldn't possibly be good if it wasn't home. If your house just looks like it has all these things hanging and facing and going, you could look, your house could look totally nuts and not feel at all like a home. And you could match all of these rules. (laughs) You could follow all the rules and you would live in like, a psychic bookstore. Like really, it's just, you don't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So the core for everything for me is Tao, it's connection. And Tao is such a fundamental principle, connection to yourself, your environment, your life. And that's what home is. It's making that connection. And so in all my work, I strive to have people customize everything for themselves, not look to this person says in this corner, you have to have these things rather. What is this for you? What is this for you? What is your expression of this? What is that through the lens of your experience, your culture, your religion, your background? Another thing that got stripped away was various religious practices that got mixed into this, that weren't part of the core principles. This was a space practice. It wasn't a, a, it wasn't a worshiping practice. It wasn't Uh, a religious practice at all, Uh, but religion has gotten mixed in over the years. So all of that went away. Uh, The very core principle of yin and yang and balance and how yin and yang, we, you know, have this, I think in America, at least this cultural idea that if you're balanced, you're just like sitting on a mountaintop and that's not balanced for people. Some people need to be so active. You know, this like various doshas, like people have various, their true nature. And so it's working with yin and yang in a way that is really fitting the space and the people in this space, working with the elements 
which I love. The five elements in feng shui have a lot to do, not just with people's environments, but with their personalities and how they manifest things, which is very much in harmony with, with the body and the doshas and how people process life. I would love, I have had so many different Ayurvedic, um, I've taken so many different quizzes and come up with so many different things that one day I want to sit down with you and find out what my yeah, dosha really is. For sure. For sure. We'll do it. Uh, so this, and this is the thing. And, and that's a great example of how you can get confused sometimes when you're earnestly looking for information. I was told I'm this and then I'm that, and then this, and then I was like, then this and this. And I was like, what, mm -hmm. what am I? I don't know what things to get or what things to eat. And so it's, this is the kind of thing that I think can be so clarifying when things are simple. And I think that as a profession, a lot of people fear simplicity because it seems like it's not valuable where mm -hmm. simplicity is the hardest thing to find in this world, in my experience. Yep. I always say, you know, um, simple isn't easy. <laughs> simple is just simple. Right. And, and it, it requires commitment, but we are so trained in this culture to believe that if it's worth it, if it's going to work, it's got to be complicated and challenging and have lots of steps and, you know, all these things. And actually, I, I really feel the same as you is that it's actually quite, quite the opposite. It's the simple things that have the most profound effects and, and changes. And, you know, so I always say, let's go back to the simple things, you know, those are the things that will really move the dial. So I really, I really resonate with that. I wanted to, to back up a little bit here and, and just go back to your healing story and dive a little more into, you know, how did you, how did you start to feel when you started to dive into sort of the practice of feng shui in your healing journey as you were trying to get better? So it's a great to have a platform here with you, who's an expert to be able to share this because I'm always weary of making health claims because it's not my wheelhouse, but I will share my experience freely. And um, so one of the biggest things that I recognized was that because I wasn't at home in my home, I wasn't moved into my home. I wasn't rooted anywhere. I was living very much in my head. And in my head was what was creating all these problems for me. It was like the clutter in my space, the lack of grounding in my space was all in my head. And so it was things like getting rid of all this old stuff I was schlepping around, letting go of all of these things that, and the disorder in my life, like the lack of order in everything from my computer to uh, you know, the things in my closet, everything. When I started to take charge, the best thing I could think to explain it was when I started to take charge of my environment, I felt like I was taking charge of my energy and in turn, taking charge of my life. And that was something that stuck with me forever. I knew that now still, if I have a challenge, you know, because I am deep cleaning my house, I'm vacuuming, I'm doing something. It's one of the first things that I do because it puts you at cause rather than at effect to start connecting to your environment. And it's external from your mind. So I did all the wellness work and self-help work. A lot of it was very mental. It was like rewire blah, 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 and all that stuff. I'm not saying it's, I'm not judging it. 
I'm just saying there's a limit to how much you can excavate one, your own mind, or even with another person. And at some point you have to take an action. You have to go out in the world and do things. And I was just in this cycle of when I get it perfect, when I'm perfectly wired, somehow it's all going to magically come together. And working with environment, you don't have to, you don't have to get into your mind as you're letting things go, as you're opening up flow, as you're being intentional in your space and shifting the energies around you, you are very naturally going to be supported. And that's that medicine of energy. You're naturally going to be supported all the time. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to go through gymnastics in your brain. You don't have to do anything extra. Your space is going to be speaking to you all day long and you feel it, you see it, you sense it on every level. And to me, it's such an easier way to approach things than trying to figure it out in your brain first. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, everything is energy, right? That is the belief in in for feng shui and for Ayurveda and even Vastu, which is the science of space that predates feng shui. So they're very much related, just as Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine are very related. Um, and so the energy, if everything is energy, you know, this energy exists in the space that we exist in, that we live in the in the the larger natural world, but also in the space that we live in, that we work in, that we um, have community in, right? There, there is an effect because that energy is coming in and out of us. And so, you know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about how in Ayurveda, we look at toxic load, not as only coming from environmental toxins or from food toxins. Those are all very important, but It's also the environment as in the space that you're in. That is a huge component of toxic load. And I think what you're talking about is just that, that the clutter that you saw around you was a reflection of what was going on inside of you as well. And that one way to deal with the clutter in your mind was actually to first declutter in your external space and have that, let that have an effect on your internal space. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And understanding that you can be intentional about the messages you're putting in your environment. And, you know, I used to live with the radio always on radio. Can you imagine like those days, Uh, the radio, (laughs) there's always radio TV, something was always on. I was always just taking things in. Everything was just coming in. And so on every level, learning that you can design, you can make choices. And I was just referencing this little bungalow that I lived in today because someone told me I have a small space and I want to make a big transformation, but I don't really have the means to do all of this. I was like, I had no means. And my little tiny space became the platform for my whole life changing. And if I could replicate that level of power over and over and over again, I don't even know what that, I mean, it was just so monumental, but it was the level of intention that you work with also makes a difference. Just like anything else, the energy that you bring to things. I was talking to a friend recently on her podcast about the idea of the energy with which you do things like cleaning. A lot of times it's a chore, it's a drag, it's a thing. That energy gets into your environment as a chore, a drag, a thing. It's being able to find the joy in things that also makes an enormous difference in the energy around you. It's not all about 
burning herbs and fancy crystals and all these things that I love, right. but it's really not about that at the right. very core. You could have every crystal in the world and have the worst feeling home that makes you feel like you're drowning, like you're, you're overwhelmed. It's not about all the, these external things of that nature. It's the simple, like coming back to that simplicity, the simple things, because ultimately the beauty of all this is realizing your environment has energy. Everyone in your environment has energy and every sensory thing you bring into your environment has energy and it's all influencing you all day long. Yes, absolutely. And it influences your health or your illness, right? It, it does have an effect on how those things start to show up. Um, I'm always, I, I mean, I guess I'm never amazed, but it's always wonderful to hear from people who will tell me that they just cleared a little bit of space, like a, you know, a, a real central space for them, you know, whether it's their kitchen or their bedroom or, you know, a favorite like area that they like to read. And they just really intentionally cleared it, um, cleaned it up, decluttered, made it beautiful, added some flowers and how having that space in their home, that one little spot has changed so much for them and how they feel internally. And it's just that small thing. It's not like, oh, my headaches went away. My stomach aches went away. It's nothing miraculous like that. Although that has happened over time with many of my, my students and patients and clients, but just that one small thing of feeling a little bit better, that is the step that you need. And then you, you build upon that, right? 100 million thousand percent. That is everything. Yeah. It's yeah. that. And it's acknowledging that those small steps are really big. And, you know, I know that a lot of people might hear this and roll their eyes, but I'm telling you, there's some magic in being consistent. And a lot of people really looking for major breakthroughs and transformation and healing like I was until I got really, really sick. I couldn't understand the idea that things had to be built with a solid foundation and that that solid foundation was so important. And I just, I, I will never forget that time because it, it viscerally in my cellular memory, I could tell you without a solid foundation, I understand nothing solid can be built. And so those small steps are foundational. Those small steps are everything. Like you can go and renovate everything and do all this stuff that's fantastical, but if you don't feel at home, it's all the same. So really this idea of feeling at home in your home, that sounds like it's the core of everything that you do and how you approach feng shui. Is that right? I think it's so, I think it's so key for everyone because it's something people can wrap their head around. You know, you could use all sorts of words and concepts and things mm -hmm. and it doesn't resonate, but everyone knows whether it's their home they grew up in or a friend's house, a grandma's house. Uh, even the church you went to or your certain classroom in school where you felt reflected, you felt welcome, you felt genius, you felt all these things. That's, a, that's something so personal to people. Again, not doing it sort of one size fits all, but it's something people can refer to within themselves and go, what was that like? How can I bring that feeling to my life? And I think that is really absolutely like one of those foundational principles. My, a big part of my work has to do with infinite possibility. And um, again, 
I think you've probably encountered the same thing. When you simplify things, the possibilities become endless. And so I'm a big believer that there isn't bad luck or impossible things. I'm very practical at my core, but I believe everything truly is possible. And it's one thing to believe it intellectually, but it's another thing to live it. And to live into those possibilities means really streamlining life so that that noise and all that stuff doesn't impinge upon you. You decide, you create the boundaries. And, you know, in terms of our physical energetic well being, your home is part of your energetic boundaries. And yeah, and it's such a thing that we aren't taught, we aren't shown that take charge of their home energy. They suddenly feel more in charge of their well being, in charge of the habits, in charge of things. And it's something very doable and practical because who doesn't want a house that feels better and looks better? But at the same time, it's so far beyond that. Yeah, because it supports your health. At the end of the day, the space that you live in, that you come home to, that feels like home, that is a space for you to be your full self, to have the fullest expression of yourself, right? And it can be a place where you can get very sick and it can be a a place where you can get very, very well and heal. And I think that that's where the idea here is like, how, how is the energy of where you live and where you sleep? And for many of us now where we work and do everything else with the pandemic, how is that related to the energy that is within you? And I think that that's, you know, so important. And I think that's why your work is so important. So let's talk about something practical for the listeners, because I know they're all like, okay, what can I do? I'm excited. You know, I I get this. This makes sense to me. If you could give the listeners like three tips of something that they could, the things that they could do today, this weekend to, you know, sort of energetically clear and positively charge their space, what would, what would those be? Uh, okay. So let's, let's think about this in a way where it's sort of systematic for people. Yeah, so people sure. can take, take steps that feel good. Yeah. Uh, first thing that I would suggest depending on your weather. And I think it's okay for most people right now. It's not too brutal. One of the very first things you can do. So let's put a little label on this called, uh, let's say increasing the flow, because this is what all of this healing is about increasing the positive flow of things moving through your whole body. And so increasing the flow, open your windows. Like I know that's again, so basic, open your windows really as you're opening your windows, set an intention that you are letting the energy that does not belong, leave your house and that you are welcoming in the energy that you do want. You get to decide these are your energetic boundaries. You get to decide what comes in and what goes out. A lot of times people hear, Ooh, I don't want bad vibes coming in. It's like, You can't live in fear and live in love at the same time, the Bruce Lipton lesson. Um, And living in love is where we heal. It's where everything becomes better. So that's that's really, really easy. Another thing that you can do, take it to the next level. If you have, and I'm holding it in my hand as though people can see me. If you have an essential oil that you really like, I really love doing this with lavender because it's very universal for a lot of people. They can have lavender putting a drop of lavender in every corner of every room. Sometimes a few drops come out. It's okay. Uh, But doing that, and I've tested this with people in the school, almost everyone has felt so much more grounded when they put a few drops of lavender or just a single drop in each corner. 
If you don't have lavender and you want to do something, go clap in the corners of every room with the windows open and just imagine all the things breaking up, the stagnation, breaking up stagnation in our bodies, stagnation in our homes. It's all matched. (laughs) A lot of times people tell me when they declutter, they have these waves of energy come through them where they're like, I have so much energy. I don't know what to do with it. And that's a perfect example of getting rid of that stuckness and then unleashing all this power that you have inside of you. So, um, doing things, the corners of homes tend to gather just like they gather dust bunnies and all sorts of stuff tend to be ignored and tend to gather more stuff. Another great thing in terms of this flow, wash your baseboards with vinegar and water. If your baseboards are painted and they can handle vinegar and water, white vinegar and water is amazing for energy clearing, but the baseboards again, often ignored, they tend to be magnets for dust and grime and all sorts of things. We don't realize it. Sometimes people, you need to use a toothbrush. I like to do things like this again, joyfully. So you might want to put on a podcast, something you're interested in and just sit and do this. And as you do always imagine what you're looking to create. So I am opening up the flow in my home. I'm opening up the flow in my life. These are fairly easy projects that can be really energizing. Um, And then in terms of magnetizing your home a little bit more, making it a little bit more uh, vivacious, one of the things you said, which I am so on board with is getting yourself flowers every week. If you can afford to do that, and if you have that available to you, at grocery stores in a lot of America, at least we have like Trader Joe's, you can get flowers for even $4, uh, where you can get a bouquet of flowers or several of them if you want, and just sprinkle them around your house. I like to choose flowers intuitively based on how I feel. So you can stand in front of all the flowers you have the choice of and what color's pulling you. And then what flower is pulling you and just let that be your weekly thing. I could tell what's going on in my life from the flowers that are around my house. And this isn't just about sort of bringing the, the color in. the color has energy and changes things in itself. But when you're bringing in flowers, flowers have a frequency and there's whole healing modalities based on the essences of flowers. And not all of them have been studied. So while there's not a flower essence for every flower that you might easily attain, every flower has a vibrational healing to it. So whatever you're attracted to is the first key that it might be something either in harmony with you or that you need. And so always go with that feeling. Uh, And that's a fun one because you'll see your choices start to change. I sometimes, I have moments where the people at Trader Joe's have to bring me a box because I Right, right. And it's just such a good feeling. And you know, things are shifting. Another thing that can be very helpful in terms of magnetizing your house is take a look at where you spend your time and ask yourself, is this functioning in the way I need it to function for me? So if you spend a lot of time in your living room, is your living room functioning the way you want it to? If it's supposed to be a gathering room for your friends and family, Do people have a place to sit? Do they, does it feel right? And if it doesn't, how can you make it a little bit more attractive? Easy things like games, um, putting out, you know, having board games that sounds so old school, but it's fun and things you're attracted to decks of tarot cards and Oracle cards, 
things that people are drawn to that bring people in. Every client I have that has Oracle cards or tarot cards, I make them pull a card for me like every yeah. single time because yeah. it's so you see it and you're like, oh, uh, whatever it is that you're into coffee table books, that personality, like really. And one thing that I first heard studied about, I didn't know that this was studied, but James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits talks about this. And Sean Acor actually talks about it in some of his books as well, uh, which is how your environment can actually trigger uh, various habits and how you can change habits by removing certain things and making them more difficult to access. So if you always go to your couch and you see the remote control, you will instantly be drawn to turn on the TV. If you move that remote control, that could take you all of two seconds and it could change the behavior in your home completely. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason that, you know, we always say if you really want to make sure that you go for a walk every morning, set out your clothes or your shoes or somewhere where you're going to see them. It's it's one less obstacle to doing that. Or in what you were saying, it's one more obstacle to go get the remote to turn the TV on. Right. So, yes, that's that's a, a wonderful example of how you can change your habits just by how you arrange things in your home energetically having a sense that things reflect you. I mean, decluttering is always (laughs) something that will be infinitely, infinitely, infinitely valuable. And a lot of people tell me, well, you know, I declutter and then everything comes back. And that's always a good sign that it's time to start digging in more to the energy of your environment, opening those windows, letting the fresh air flow in, and letting yourself start to experience on a gradient what it feels like when the energy around you changes. And that's really important because we don't go from zero to 60. Uh, You don't walk, um, you don't run a marathon today. You train to do that. And, um, you know, going back to that classic, now classic book, Atomic Habits, those 1% changes that are consistent really do create these magnificent, magnificent transformations. And so it can be having a daily practice of caring for your energy of your home, the same way that you care for the energy in your body, the same way you want to make sure you're sleeping or eating or drinking things. It's those easy steps, those things that you can take lighting a candle every morning. And, you know, these little things, that are touchstones in your day. And to you can decide the meaning of those things. You don't have to ask the meaning to anyone. Uh, that's very important to me. You decide the meaning. But the most important thing is that you have those things that connect you to that feeling of being at home. And if you do have a lot of clutter to clear or a lot of things you want to change, or if your space really doesn't reflect you at all, start so simple. Uh, you know, start with one space, like you said, having a client make one space, just this one room, this one corner of a room that feels really good. That's huge. And changing a home, and that's something I'm so cognizant of. It sounds so easy. If I could tell clients all day long, oh, just let's paint everything. Let's pick a color. Let's paint everything. Let's do this this is time and energy. This takes work. Like it's not the same as like, I'm going to drink a smoothie today. Painting your house is like, could be a week long project. Like you, just, you don't just snap your fingers and it's done. So 
understand that all of these progressive changes start with this foundation. So once you get the energy feeling brighter and brighter, you'll be moved to start going, hmm, how can I be a little more deliberate? How could I be a little more uh, intentional? And it just keeps growing. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's such a key thing that you've that you've just said is to start with some simple things, opening the windows. You know, it reminds me of when I was young, my mom um, used to open the windows on a weekly basis to clear out the energy. She would light incense. She would change the colors of the cushions with the seasons. I mean, that's very Ayurvedic, but it was about the vibrational energy. We always had fresh flowers. You know, we didn't have much. My, you know, my parents immigrated from India, but that was something that she, she would even go outside in the backyard and cut, you know, cuttings, trimmings from trees and bushes and, you know, bring those in. So um, I think that there are so many ways to bring this, to, to clear the energy, bring this energy into your home. So, you know, this has been so much fun talking about energy and, you know, how the energy of our space is connected to the energy within. Um, so thank you for, for being so generous with your time and your knowledge and the tips. I, I think those are wonderful tips and they're good reminders to me too. But I feel like this is a really good time for us to sort of round out what we've been talking about. If I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Believe in yourself. Hmm. I love that. Dana, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. It's been wonderful talking to you. It's been such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone listening. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.